0: If you love Jesus, can you make some noise this morning? Come on. It is such an honor to be with you guys. Um, I have heard so much about Four Corners uh, let me just explain how I met the Hodges family. One day I was doing a dorm blitz. My wife and I were college pastors, so we do dorm blitzes regularly. What that looks like is we get ramen noodles and maybe some Chick-fil-A, and we knock on college doors and we beg them to come to our ministry, right? And so we're going through the dorm and we're handing out ramen noodles, and I meet this guy. His name's Connor. He's living on the same floor that I lived on my freshman year of college in a Immediately, I could just tell this dude is different, okay? You guys know Connor. He is different, all right? I have never met somebody so committed, so loyal, such a servant heart. And um, immediately I could just tell that Connor and I were going to become great friends. And I invited him to our ministry, the gathering. He showed up. And uh, most of the time, a college student, if they come one time, it's a miracle. But if they come the next time and start serving, that is just like, wow, this is like Jesus is moving in this place. And Connor shows up the first night. And the first thing he asked me is, hey, where do you need help? Okay. And if that does not sum up the entire Hodges family. I do not know what does. Um, You guys have some of the greatest people ever leading your church. It it really is so incredible uh, to watch. I think that one of the things that I admire so much about Pastor Ben and Miss Jill is um, in a world that's obsessed with becoming better leaders, they're obsessed with becoming better servants. And um, I think that's so evident in the way that they love this house, the way that they love people, the way that they loved my wife and I and our uh, family that I'm going to share with you in in just a few moments. And um, I just, uh, I feel so blessed and and really look up to them so much, your pastors, your pastor's family, um, the entire Hodges group. And I just feel like it would be appropriate right now for us to just let them know how much we love and appreciate them. Can we just do that? If you have your Bibles and you want to go ahead and turn those on, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And um, as you get there, uh, my name's Noah Heron. Recently had a birthday. I just turned 25. And about two years ago, I met a girl. Her name was Madison Perry. And nine months ago, by the grace of God, her last name changed to Heron. It is now Madison Heron. I am married. And my lovely wife is right over here uh, sitting next to Miss Jill. And I think we have a photo of us on our wedding day. This is us. Okay. That is the face of a man who knows that um, God is still doing miracles. So, okay. (laughs) Okay. But my wife, Maddie, it's such an honor that she's here with me. She is the better preacher, the better leader. Um, She is just all around better. Connor would agree with me. He sees behind the scenes and on the platform. And uh, I'm so honored that she's here with me. She's my best friend. We have a son. We have a son. Um, His name is Mowgli. I think we have a photo of our son. (laughs) Mowgli is a miniature golden doodle. And uh, he's a really smart puppy. He's a little bit bigger than that now, but not too much. And he, he can sit, he can shake, he uses the bathroom outside. The only thing we're working through still is that uh, he often wakes up in the middle of the night. You know, those of you who have kids, you're like, yeah, get used to it. Okay, pray for me. Our puppy wakes up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and it's pretty cold in Tennessee where we live. So I'm outside, and I'm, I'm quoting scripture regularly as I wait for him to use the restroom. I'm like, love is patient. Love is kind. You're about to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. (laughs) But uh, that's our family, and um, we have the honor of of leading a college and young adult ministry in Cleveland, Tennessee called The Gathering, and um, the only thing that we love Uh, more than um, Chick-fil-A and college football, is talking about Jesus. And so this morning, I hope you feel the freedom. You can respond however you'd like. If it's just to sit there and receive, that's amazing. If you want to say amen, that is Hebrew for true that. You can say that. Um, And uh, if you hear something you don't like, I want to hear from you too. Just email me at will at fourcornerschurch at gmail.com, and um, I'll respond to all your emails. Okay. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 8. I'm reading from the message version of your Bible app, and uh, I really think that Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, might be arguably the most profound scripture in all of the Bible. This is what it says. But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. That's good. You can say amen. (laughs) No, we're going to skip ahead. I'm just teasing. We're going to go to verse 18. Verse 18, just a couple verses down. This is what it says. But I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You'll board the ship and your sons, your wife and your son's wives will come on board with you. You also are to take two of each living creature, a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve their lives with you. Two of every species of bird, mammal, and reptile. Two of everything so as to preserve their lives along with yours. Also, get all the food you'll need and store it up for you and then, I love how it ends in verse 22. It says, Noah did everything God commanded him to do. What a legacy. Noah did everything God commanded him to do. I don't know about you, but one day when I get to heaven, I hope that God can say, Noah did everything I commanded him to do. The title of my message this morning is three words. It's build the boat. Will you say that with me this morning? One, two, three, build the boat. Amazing. Dear Lord, we welcome you. We uh, just ask you to take over these next few moments, Lord, that this wouldn't be my words or my ideas, God, but this would just be directly your heart for us, that you would encourage us, that we would leave here more... uh, more aware of what you're doing in our lives, more aware of what you want to do, more aware of uh, what you've done for us, Lord. We love you. We thank you so much for Chick-fil-A. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Um, I will never forget the day that my wife and I got engaged. And this was this was obviously just an amazing day. But the, the part of the day I want to focus on was actually after the engagement, after the celebration. Uh, we were sitting on my now-in-law's couch, and we were scrolling through social media. Anybody have social media? You've got a Facebook, or maybe you've got an Instagram. We had taken this photo, and it was the classic engagement photo. I'd gotten down on one knee. I'd proposed to the woman of my dreams. And one one of my friends had snapped this, this beautiful photo that we'll cherish forever, and we'd taken this photo and we posted it on our Facebook page. And so we posted it and we didn't look at it for a couple hours because we were celebrating with friends and family. But that night, about 1030 at night, we started scrolling through Facebook and reading the comments. And I don't know um, if you guys have ever noticed or picked up on this, but when people get engaged and post those photos on Facebook, they tend to get a lot of likes and comments. There were people commenting on this photo that I did not even know existed. I was like, how did you get on my friends list, right? And, and these people are commenting things like, you know, congratulations, we're so happy for you. But there was one girl, she commented this. I don't know why I read it like this. I, I doubt she sounded like this, but this is what she said. She said, OMG, be still my beating heart. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> It's like, I'm pretty sure you don't want that. Like, isn't that how you die? Like, I'm pretty sure you don't want that, right? But but we were sitting there, we were reading these comments, and and I looked over at Maddie, and I was like, if they only knew about all the times I messed up leading up to this point, if they only knew about the moments that weren't Facebook-worthy, if they only knew about the moments that weren't picture perfect. I wonder if they would be commenting the same thing. And so, um, with your permission, I would love really briefly just to share with you the first time I told Maddie that I loved her. Is this okay? Amazing. I was going to do it. Pastor Ben said yes. It doesn't didn't matter about anybody else. So, um, the first time I told Maddie I loved her, I was so nervous, okay, I was so nervous, I was trying to work up the courage, you know, I would kind of get, get amped, like I was going to go do it, and I would walk into the room super confident, and then she would turn and look at me, and she was just so gorgeous, I was like, whoa, I'm walking back, you know, and I would just turn around, I just couldn't do it, and I was planning, and I was trying to think of the best way to tell her I loved her, and um, Maddie and, and a group of our best friends, we had planned this trip that summer to go to Hawaii. And we'd, we'd been saving up, and, and we were all going to go on this group trip to Hawaii. We'd found this really good group rate. And so we get to Hawaii, and I'm like, what better moment? to tell the woman of my dreams that I love her than in the beautiful state of Hawaii, right? I'm picturing me surfing up on a surfboard. (laughs) I got coconuts in both hands, you know? (laughs) Like (laughs) Johnny Cash is singing like somewhere. Like this is what I'm thinking is gonna happen in this moment. And uh, the second day we're there, it's about 5.30 in the morning. I'm sleeping on a pullout couch with one of my best friends, Andrew. And I hear the back door of our big Airbnb, open and I'm like oh what's that you know why is the back door opening at 5 30 in the morning this is not the Lord's hour this is too early some of y'all know what I'm talking about we lost an hour last night and so I look over, and I, I kind of look down the hall, and I see that it's Maddie walking outside. And so I'm, I begin to get concerned, so I hop up out of bed, and I start running towards the door, walk outside, and, and Maddie's standing there. I said, hey, what's going on? And she explains to me that she thinks that she'd eaten some bad fish the night before. Her stomach's hurting. and It was like I heard the audible voice of the Lord say, this is your time. <laughs> we start walking down the beach, and... We're holding hands. It's just this romantic moment. You know, the sun is like creeping above the horizon. Birds are flying by. And uh, it was just just beautiful. So finally I stop her and I grab her other hand and I say, Maddie, I've been wanting to tell you this for a long time now. I just haven't been able to get the courage to say it. She looks at me and I look into her deep, beautiful blue eyes. And I said, Maddie, I, I love you. I said it one more time because my voice kind of cracked. I was like, I love you. She looked back at me and my kind of average brown eyes. She said, uh, She said, I think I'm going to throw up. And she ran to the bushes. <laughs> oh, man, amazing. I will never forget. That story. She eventually said, yes, the end story was great. We got married, praise God. But, but you would never have known about that if you had just seen the photo of us getting engaged. You would have never known the backstory. My favorite part about the story of Noah is that A lot of times when we read the story of Noah, we just think, oh man, simple story, right? Our kids learn about it. It's what we talked about when we were in elementary school. It's this this cute little story where God said he's going to flood the earth and and Noah built a boat and he put two of every animal on it and and he remembered the Labrador retrievers. So now we have dogs and we're so thankful that he remembered the dogs, but we wish he kind of would have left the cats. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But it's this cute little story wrapped in a bow. But when you really look deeper at the story of Noah, the story of Noah is a hard story. The story of Noah is a story about faithfulness. It's a story of digging in deep. Because most biblical scholars believe that Noah actually built this boat for somewhere around 120 years. Can you imagine doing anything for 120 years of your life? I can't. That's a long time, 120 years every single day going outside and building this boat. Right? Noah didn't just wake up one day, the, the proud new owner of a yacht. He went outside and built it with his own hands. But to Noah, there was one thing that mattered more than any other thing, and it was being faithful to what God had called him to do. It was being obedient to what God had called him to do. I don't know about you, but being faithful is a lot easier at the beginning of something, right? How many of you know it's a lot easier to be faithful to a diet on day one, okay? When you're eating grass with a side of tomato, okay? Day one, you're like, I'm getting abs, okay? Holla at your boy in June. I'm going to be looking good, right? Where are you at on day 10? You're at Chick-fil-A in the drive-thru with me. Number one meal, large sweet tea, right? It's hard to be faithful over an extended amount of time, right? This is why it's it's really easy to get excited about things when they're new, right? It's really easy to be faithful on the honeymoon, on, on month nine, like Maddie and I are on. Everything's great. We're like, you smell good all the time. Like, I love you. You can't do anything wrong. But what about year 10 when they will not put the toilet seat down, right? Like, like, like it's harder, to be as faithful then, it's harder to love as much then, it's harder to serve as much then. Being faithful takes effort, being faithful takes time, but to Noah, faithfulness was his one goal. Faithfulness was his greatest desire. I came across this article in the New York Times about a year ago, and the article was on the next generation. It was on Generation Z and millennials, which I happened to, to fall under, and it caught my eye. And this article was, was a bunch of research that someone um, had, had accumulated on this generation that said that the average person in the next generation, they will hold 14 different jobs between age 21 and 35, that that's the average So I'm not very good at math, but I got out my calculator. That was one full-time job a year on average, the average person in the next generation. That's how many jobs they would have. And, And this article was not trying to bash the next generation. This article was trying to prove a point that as a people, as humanity, we have become a people group and a humanity that is about the next best opportunity. We're about the next opportunity. If a a better opportunity comes, we, we jump on it. If something looks a little bit nicer, we jump on it. Sometimes we just get tired and we move on to the next opportunity. The problem with that is that we serve a God who's not a God of opportunities, but he's a God of assignments. There's a difference between an opportunity and an assignment. I'm going to show you. An opportunity is all about elevating man, but an assignment is all about elevating God. An opportunity will satisfy for a moment, but your God-given assignment will give you purpose your entire life. An opportunity can be full of hype. Your assignment can be full of hope. Opportunities might please man. Your assignment will please God. Opportunities are often about being seen, but your assignment is about serving. There's a difference between opportunities and assignments. When we get to heaven one day, God's not going to say, well done, my good and successful servant. He's not going to say, well done, my good and rich servant. He's not going to say, well done, my good and you have a lot of followers on social media servant. He's going to look at you and he's either going to say nothing or he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. God's measurement of success on this earth for us is is did we know him and were we faithful to him? Did we know him and were we Faithful to him. Turn to your neighbor and say, build the boat. Build the boat. Galatians 6.9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This is good news to me because it says, if I don't quit, I'll win because if I don't quit, God's going to come through. If I'll just be faithful, God will do the heavy lifting, right? Uh, Maddie and I, we, um, we have a friend, a family friend. His name is Gordon Moat. And Gordon Moat is a world-renowned piano player. And if you listen to country music, anybody listen to country music? Let me see your hand, so I know who to pray for. Okay. <laughs> if you listen to country music, you've probably heard Gordon Moat. On the piano, you just didn't know it. Um, he plays for the biggest country music stars, Carrie Underwood. Um, I don't know too many more country music stars, so I'll let you fill in the rest. But he plays for them, and, and and the cool thing is, is he's a Christian. He's actually a gospel artist. He sings, and um, he's been blind since he was a baby. It's, it's amazing. He's one of the greatest piano players on earth, and he's blind. And I'll never forget, I was about eight or nine years old, and Gordon was over at our house. We were hanging out by our pool. It was my dad, Mr. Gordon, and I. And we're sitting out by the pool, and Mr. Gordon looks in my direction. and He goes, hey, Noah, you want to go shoot some some baskets? You want to play basketball? I'm eight, right? I'm nine. I look at my dad. I'm like, is he serious? <laughs> like, does he know he's blind? You know what I mean? Like, I was like, sure, Mr. Gordon, let's go, let's go play some, some basketball. So we go out to the front yard, and we had this big metal hoop in the ground, and, and I hand Mr. Gordon the basketball, and I'm like, uh-oh, you know, I'm like ducking, you know. And, and Mr. Gordon goes, can you hit the metal pole for me where the basket is attached? So I start hitting it, and he, and he starts listening. He goes, how tall is the basket? I said, it's 10 feet, 10 feet tall, Mr. Gordon. He goes, can you hit it one more time? So, so I hit it one more time. And he's standing about where our three point line would have been. And he stands there, takes a left handed jump shot, nothing but net. Okay, I don't know if you've ever seen a blind person play basketball. But as an eight year old little boy, this was the craziest thing I had ever seen in my life. What came out of my mouth was extremely offensive. I said, Mr. Gordon, how in the world did you do that? You're blind. He said, Yeah, I know. (laughs) He said, I know. He said, You know what, you don't need eyes for as many things as you think you do. And as a nine year old, that went way over my head. But as a 25 year old, that speaks to me deeply spiritually. Because how many times have I let my eyes tell me what to build? How many times have I let my eyes tell me when to stop building? How many times have I let my eyes tell my feet what to do, let my obedience what to do? See, you don't need eyes to have faith. You just need ears to hear what God has commanded you to do and a mouth to reply, yes. Mr. Gordon taught me a valuable lesson that day, and it's that Jesus is speaking. We just have to say yes. I will never forget that jump shot. The thing is, oftentimes we're a microwave generation with a crockpot God. We want the results and we want them now. And so when we look around and we see that maybe God, we know God told us to do something, we know God asked us to build a boat, we know God is calling us in a certain direction, but, and we take the step of faith, and, and the step of faith is often celebrated a lot more than the little steps of faithfulness that have to come afterwards. And so we think that when we just take the step of faith that everything's going to be good, but it's in the little steps of faithfulness that we begin to see God moving in our lives, not just in the circumstances around us, but in a deeper way inside of us. Think about Noah. Can you imagine what this had to be like for, for the story that we're reading this morning? I, whenever I read scripture, I like, to, I like to think about the perspective of the, the people that, that are going through this. And I read this and, and I think about Noah. Like, like, imagine the dinner conversation Noah had with his wife the day he decided he was going to do this, right? Like, like just, just bear with me. He comes home. He's like, hey, babe, I think I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. Oh, what you gonna do? Gonna build a boat. Okay, all right, all right. What kind of boat are we talking about, Noah? We're we talking about like a like a like a rowboat, like a bass boat. Think more carnival cruise ship. Like, like maybe that went okay, right? Like maybe Noah's wife was encouraging and she loved that Noah wanted to build this boat and she always wanted a yacht. Like maybe she was like that. But what about like year 10? Noah's in the backyard, just building this boat, right? I can't remember Noah's wife's name, so I'm gonna call her Sheila just for the sake of this conversation. Sheila comes home. right? It's like, hey, you know, Noah, we used to get invited to those, those tea parties with the neighbors, with the crumpet with the, with the crumpets. I don't know why Noah's British right now, but he is he's British. <laughs> Remember we used to get invited to those? They kind of stopped doing that. They kind of think we're crazy. We're the crazy ones in the neighborhood because they've seen you out here for 10 years building this boat, no sign of rain, no sign of floods. And and I tell them, they're like, why is he doing that? Is he doing that for money? And I'm like, no, we don't have any money because it's all going for this wood and this animal feed and stuff. And, and, And they're like, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? And I keep saying it's God, but like, what are we doing? And Noah, he's just like, just got to keep building the boat. You're 20, you're 30, you're 40, you're 50, you're 60. Can you imagine? I, like, like, I think sometimes I, I, I do this to myself. Maybe you do, you do this too, but when God tells me to do something that I know is hard, sometimes I can play the victim and I'm like, man, this is such a hard thing that you've asked me to do. Like, why, did you, why are you making me do this? Why, why won't you, like, give me more people to help or, or whatever? But, but, like, compared to Noah, this is crazy, right? Like, like nobody was showing up to Noah and, and, and congratulating him for taking this step of faith. Like, nobody was writing newspaper articles saying, wow, what a great service Noah is performing for our community, Like, like nobody's doing this. Everybody thought Noah was crazy. So like year 60, Noah's out back, and people are walking by going, Noah, you are crazy. You're still out here? Your kids are grown? You're wasting your life. You're becoming an old man, and look what you're doing. The same thing you did when you were a young man. And what has it got you? Nothing. What's Noah doing? I just got to keep Building the boat. Year 100, 119. What if Noah had stopped building year 119? What if he decided to drop his hammer and call it quits? Noah just said, I'm just going to keep being faithful. I'm just going to keep doing what you've called me to do. What if Noah when God said, no, I want you to build the ark? What if if God said, no, I want you to build this boat? What if Noah had said, but there's, there's no boat school. I didn't go to boating school. I don't know how to build a boat. What if he had done that? What if he had let what he thought qualified him to do this or didn't qualify him to do this, stop him from ever doing the thing God called him to do. Everything that we know as normal today would probably be different. Noah said, I just gotta keep building the bow." Not too long ago, I was, I was watching college football. It was a Saturday afternoon and I'm a big Georgia Bulldog fan. And, uh, yeah, my guy in the back, I love you. Thank you. Um, big Georgia Bulldog fan, and, and Maddie knows that I get pretty intense when George is on, so she t- tends to just leave the house in those moments, and it's really, we love each other. And uh, so this particular afternoon, Maddie, she, she went to Target, which I'm learning is very dangerous, right? Um, she goes to Target. And uh, she calls me and she said, she said, hey, I'm leaving Target. Would you like me to pick you up some Buffalo Wild Wings? Do you guys have Buffalo Wild Wings in Cincinnati? Yes, okay, amazing. So good. I love wings. I was like, yes, thank you so much, babe. I would love some honey barbecue traditional Buffalo Wild Wings, please. So um she gets to the house and it was it was pouring down rain. She opens the door and she's standing in the doorway and she's got this big Buffalo Wild Wings to-go box in her arm. Okay, and this is really weird. I know it's it's super weird, but I'm weird. And I looked at her and I literally had this thought, I literally thought to myself, thank God for to-go boxes. Because if we didn't have to-go boxes, she would have sauce all over her arms. There would be wings. You know, like whoever invented to-go boxes, what a great idea, right? If if we didn't have to-go boxes, she would have been saucy, and it wouldn't have been like the good kind of saucy. You know, like that's kind of a cool word for people who dress good now. It wouldn't have been that. It would have been honey barbecue, okay? So I was like, thank God for to-go boxes, right? To-go boxes. They're not very expensive. They're pretty cheap. They're bought in bulk, Right, They don't have a lot of value, but when Buffalo Wild Wings get put inside of a to-go box, they take on an, a tremendous value. They, they immediately become a necessity. It works the same way with God. I think a lot of times God calls us to build certain things, and the first thing we do is we say, Ah, I'm not very valuable. Uh, I, I'm not I wouldn't be good for that. Uh, you know, I, I think there's probably a better option for that, God. I don't really think that this is for me. I think our communication line got a little bit hairy and this was meant for somebody else. But when something gets put inside of you, When the Holy Spirit gets put inside of an open and willing vessel, what I'm trying to say is you don't have to be the most talented, you don't have to be the best looking, you don't have to have the best Sunday school attendance record, you don't have to know as much as the person on your left or your right, but you do have to be clean and you do have to be empty. And if you'll be clean and if you'll be empty and you will say, God, I'm available, I want to be faithful to what you've called me to build, God can put something inside of your box that no man could get credit for, that nobody around you would be able to understand because it is only by the grace of God that is moving and working inside of you that you are able to do the things that you do. I was in a conference recently and I heard a pastor say, God has called you to do hard things. And everybody clapped and it was awesome. And I was in the back of the room and I was struggling because I agreed with what he said. But the reality is God hasn't just called us to build hard boats. He's called us to build impossible boats. I don't know about you, but I don't want to. I don't want to live my life in such a way where I could get credit for it. I know a lot of people who can do hard things. I only know one God who can do impossible things. I know a lot of people who could pray hard prayers and those things come true, and then possibly get credit for it. I only know one God who answers impossible prayers and can get credit for it. I want to live my life in a way where I am saying yes, not just to manageable boats not just to hard boats but to things that seem impossible to build because it's in that spot it's in that space that God can get the glory that God will get the glory maybe you're here and you're like you about to try to sell me a boat (laughs) why are we talking about boats so much who is this guy I don't know what the boat is that God's called you to build, but as I was praying and preparing for this message last night, I thought, you know, maybe there's some people that are going to be in the room today that the boat that God's calling you to build is the boat of your marriage, right? That's a boat that everyone gets excited about building when you get married. But maybe you put the hammer down around year 10. Maybe the date nights that used to be a regular thing have kind of fallen off the back burner. Maybe the the way that you love each other has kind of changed a little bit. And and maybe your marriage just isn't in the the best spot right now. And maybe God brought this kid in weird jeans and a sweater to talk to you this morning to encourage you to pick back up that hammer and start pouring into your spouse again. Start serving them the way that you did when you first got married start loving them and and thinking about new things that you could do for them like you did when you first got married. Maybe the boat that God's called you to build is this house. It's Four Corners Church. You've been coming. You've been attending. You love it. You love hearing the message from Pastor Ben. You love this amazing worship team that's up here. You love the community, but you haven't gone all in. You haven't started serving. You haven't started looking for places where you could pick up your own hammer and say, I see a place that I could help build. And maybe that's what God's calling you to build right now. Maybe you're here and you're single. You've been looking for boo. You've been looking for your Beyonce that sings Hillsong worship music. Right, and you're, you're scrolling through social media, you're trying to find them. Every good looking dude that walks in, you're like, hey, you know, like maybe that's you. Maybe the boat you need to build is the boat of your singleness and being content in Jesus first, finding your worth and your relationship with Jesus first. Maybe the, the boat that God's calling you to build is the boat of tithing. This is one that would have made me really uncomfortable up until recently. Maybe you've been you've been coming, you know, you're a Christian, you've known Jesus for a long time, but there's that one area, that one area that you're holding on to. Can't seem to, can't seem to give it. And maybe what God's calling you to do is just finally give it to Him. Start building that boat and seeing what God can do with what you think is just a little bit. It's just a little hammer, it's just a few nails. And watch what that does for this house. Watch the people that that can reach in this house. I don't know what the boat that God's called you to build is, but I know he's called you to build one. Could change from season to season. It could be a lifelong boat. But I don't know about you. I want to be like Noah. If God spoke it to me, I want to be found where? Out back, just building the boat. I have a little sister. share this with you. Her name is Carson, and Carson's the most incredible young girl I've ever met. She, uh, she started going to Nicaragua when she was 13 years old. She felt called to missions, and by the time she was 15, she started leading trips of dozens of adults to Nicaragua. She speaks fluent Spanish. She sings. She teaches. She translates for the preachers. Um, she's, she's amazing. She's a world changer. And uh, a couple years ago, she was a senior in high school, and she was really wrestling on what to do with college. She, she, she knew she wanted to be a full time missionary, and she found this school that she fell in love with. It was called Emmanuel College, it's in Georgia. And um, she loved it. They had this amazing missionary program. And, and when she was there, she had this encounter with God where she felt like God told her, You're going to go to Emmanuel College, and you're going to get a degree in missions, and you're going to go be a full time missionary. So she comes back home from this event. She comes into my parents' living room and she says, Guess what? God is calling me to Emmanuel College. My parents were like, That's awesome. Let's check it out. They pull open the computer. They look it up. $40,000 a year. They were like, Are you sure God's calling you there? Right? My parents are pastors. You know, we're, we're not broke. We're blessed. But we're also kind of broke. So, my parents—they were being encouraging. They were like, "You know what? We're gonna apply for financial aid. We're gonna try to get scholarship money. Um, let's let's do this." And so the year goes goes on and gets to be about April, and there was no scholarship money, there was no financial aid, and my parents were really struggling with what to do. And so they sat Carson down and they said, "Carson, you're gonna have to come up. You're gonna have to come up with a backup plan because right now this isn't looking good. You know, you're gonna be a missionary. It's not like you're gonna be able to pay this money back." Carson's sitting at the table and she's just being quiet and my parents keep prodding. They're like, why don't we apply to a community college and and try again for Emmanuel in a couple years? And finally my sister had had enough and she pushes her seat back from the table and she said, she said, mom and dad, my entire life you've taught me to have faith for things that no one else can see. You've taught me to listen to the voice of God and be faithful to what he's asked me to do. And now I'm trying to have that kind of faith. Now I'm trying to do it. And you're telling me not to. She said, faith doesn't need a backup plan. Can I please be excused from the dinner table? My parents looked at each other. They're like, do we ground her? What do we do with this? Carson went upstairs and she was she started crying. My parents could hear her crying. And uh, my parents are sitting at the dinner table. They're talking about what to do. All of a sudden, they heard my little sister singing the song that we sang right before I came up here, which is so crazy because I didn't know that they were going to be singing that today. It's called Waymaker. She started singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Dark, My God that is who you are. And she just started singing it. I mean, she's crying, and she's singing it, and she's yelling it, and she's yelling it from upstairs in her room. And my parents are sitting down at the dinner table, and they start singing it, and they start singing it, and they start singing it. And it's just just this crazy moment in my my family's house. The next morning, about nine o'clock in the morning, my dad gets a phone call from the admissions counselor at Emmanuel, And this wasn't out of the normal. They'd been in touch a lot, looking at scholarships and all this different stuff. And and the guy said, hey, um, Mr. Tory, are you and Carson planning on coming to our event today? It was some type of, like, uh, incoming freshman event for incoming potential students. And my dad was like, ah, you know, we're, we're not sure. We're, we're thinking about it. We're not really sure if, if this is a good idea for us to come to or not. At the last minute, my dad and Carson got in the car, and they drove an hour to Emanuel College. They went to the event. It's a great thing. They're walking out to the car. This guy comes running out. Of his office. He says, Hey, Carson, right? Carson said, Yeah, that's that's me. He says, Hey, someone needs to see you. They're in in the office. Carson comes in, she gets escorted to the president of Emmanuel College's office. Come inside, they sit down, they start talking. The president looks over at Carson and he says, You know, this is this is really crazy. I don't even know if you're interested in coming to Emmanuel College, but Last night, around dinner, got a phone call from one of our our biggest supporters at this school, and he said about dinner time last night, someone put it on his heart to give a full ride to someone who wanted to come here for missions to a Spanish-speaking country. Does that happen to be you? She looked at my dad. She said, I told you. She didn't pay for a single book she didn't pay for where she stayed she didn't pay for a single class what does that tell me that tells me no matter what boat God calls me to build if I will take the first step but then take the little steps that come after the first step that it is not me who builds the boat that it is my father in heaven who is the master builder and that he will get the glory for the boats that we build in our lives. Amen. Could I just pray for you in closing? If you're here, I'll just ask you to just maybe in the stillness of your heart, just ask God, God, what is the boat that you're calling me to build? Whatever stage of life you're in, whatever season that you're that you're going through, God, what are you calling me to build? Lord, we thank you so much that we get to be a part of your plan for this earth. We thank you so much that you chose us while we were still sinners, Lord, that you walked to the cross for us and gave your life willingly so that we could experience true life and true freedom in you. We're so thankful that it didn't just stop there, though, that you actually called us into your purpose and plan for this earth, that each one of us has something that you've designed and created us to do. God, whatever that, is right now, whatever boat you're calling us to build, God, I pray that you would give us the courage, not just for the first step, but the tough steps that come afterwards, Lord, for the steps that that come that are hard, for the steps that come when no one else is around, for the steps that come when everyone thinks that we're a little bit crazy, Lord, I pray that you would just give us the courage to keep building, that you would fix our eyes on being faithful, you would fix our eyes on you, that you'd fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, to do the work that you've set before us. We love you. We thank you. And everybody said,
1: amen. 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 Hang out right here for just a second. You guys yeah. give it up for Noah. Bringing us a great word today. So um, whenever we have a guest speaker, which isn't all that often, although we've had yeah. a bunch lately, um, I like to just find out a little bit of what's going on personally. Yeah. So you guys have been serving at this church. Yes, sir. Um, big college ministry. Yes, sir. Uh, and not to give honor to you, but to give honor to God. So about how big is this ministry you're, you guys are doing?
0: Yeah. Um, on a weekly basis, we have a couple hundred college students. And then when we do our conference, we have around 1,000 college students. That yeah. Come.
1: It's, it's, so it's the, like the biggest thing in the area, right, for college kids? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. But lately, um, you guys have been feeling like God's calling you to, to make a transition. Yes, sir. Uh, we would like to pray with you guys about yeah. that. Give everybody a sentence or two about kind of what's going on and and tell us how we can pray for you and Maddie.
0: Sure, so um, Maddie and I, we feel really called to plant a church um, in the next couple of years, and so um, because of that, Uh, boat that God has put in our life to build. Um, We have been open to praying about what the the next step looks like and we're actually in the transition of moving to Atlanta where um, we're going to be serving under my father's leadership. He planted a church in Atlanta about seven years ago and we're going to learn what it looks like to plant a church and um, we'll be uh, preaching about once a month on Sundays and starting a young adult ministry that'll meet there as well. And so we're super excited.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for you guys for the step of obedience um, that you're taking it's risky Um, there's no guarantees right other than your faithfulness honors God and God honors faithful people so you have our prayers Um, we love you we're grateful for what you're doing Uh, as a dad thanks for your investment in my kids but thanks for the gift for us today Uh, we really appreciate it Uh, I'd love for you guys to say hi to Noah uh, when we get done with the service today so he will be out there with me but one more time would you give it up for this guy thank you so much brother Well, uh, I want to give you an opportunity.